Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is the entire Combat Sports Talk crew. We got Kalechi, KC Onyebuchi. What's up, man? Well, hello. <laughs> okay. We well, got John, the keys to victory. <laughs> keys. Hello, everybody. How y'all doing tonight? All right, and we've got George G Money Stalwart. Buffalo Soldiers. <laughs> Redlock Rasta. Wow. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, here we go. <laughs> so we last all of 10 seconds. Yeah. Hey, well, see, you know, so I, I do think that we should talk a little bit about our show last week. Um, I, I know that um, it was a bit different than what we've done in the past uh, because, you know, for 126 episodes, we or 125 episodes, we talked about MMA, and then 126, we had to talk about social issues that were affecting us. And, and uh, I, I really appreciate the audience out there, the feedback that they gave uh, to us, and, you know, I, I really got a lot of good comments about that people learned something uh, from the conversations that each of us uh, had uh, on on last Monday. So... That that's a good thing. Anybody else get some good feedback? Uh, yes, I actually got some great feedback. Um, and we were, you know, everybody was enlightened. They walked away a little bit, a little bit wiser to the situation. Uh, they respected our point of view. And one one of our uh, viewers uh, had suggested that we uh, show this video to uh, last week's video to Trevor Noah. So. Um, I, t- I took that as high praise, but you know, I say if if you if you if people if you want to share that 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 show from last week, by all means, please do. All right, because the more that we can talk to people, more we can educate people, the better the outcome will be. All right. Anybody else? I don't even know what to say, man. It's. Um... <clears throat> Feedback I got from last week was definitely positive, man. Uh, people were were happy to hear us speak our minds on it, um, and at the same time, I guess be open to discussion or discourse from varying points. And, and so it was it was interesting, man. A lot of the feedback I got out of the community, I, I was really surprised, <clears throat> and I heard from people that I wasn't expecting to hear from about it. Okay. Kalechi, nothing? Yeah, uh, my lighting was just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, someone whose lighting was amazing was uh, Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes, UFC 250. She got the work done. We had a pay-per-view event on Saturday night, and that was UFC 250 coming from the Apex Arena in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. So there were, was that? I got I got six fights that we're going to talk about. Um, so let's get into it. This is the official decision. All right, this is the official decision. This is where we talk about the results 
from the other night. Why? What's so funny, Kalechi? <laughs> <I've>, uh, <laughs> I, can, I can hear John. <laughs> I can hear John's breathing, and it, made, it reminded me of Darth Vader. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Look, I was going to send it in chat, but Ryan called it out. Uh, <laughs> you're you're cracking up, so I don't know. So uh, so I'm I'm really trying to to figure out uh, what's going on, and and so it's so, okay, it's cool. It's I get okay. Let me just throw us all the way off real quick. Yeah, that's great. Okay, let's get back on track, shall we? Um, you know, we started off with like eight viewers, and now we're down to like two. So there you go. Thanks. <laughs> we'll blame that one to let you. <laughs> All right. So UFC 250, Nunes versus Spencer at the UFC Apex Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, Saturday, June 6, 2020. Alex Caceres versus Chase Hooper. Now, I was really big on Chase Hooper, right? Because in his UFC debut, he really had a wonderful showing. I mean, he came out. Really was dominant. I think he ended up with a with, with, with a submission victory. And then he came up against Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres. And Caceres defeated Chase Hooper via unanimous decision, 30-27 on all the cards. In the, in the first fight of the main card, you had Sean O'Malley versus Eddie Wineland. Now, Eddie Wineland, he at one time was fighting for the title. Remember when Hennon Burrell was the title holder at, what was it, 135 or 145? I think it was 135. Uh, Eddie Wineland was fighting for the title, and now he's getting knocked out by Sugar Sean O'Malley. Hold on, hold on. Let's talk about that knockout. That wasn't just a tap, tap, he's down. <laughs> that was a K-pow, okay? Boom, rocked him. Oh, wow. Thank you. This is the yes. first time in a long time I didn't have to play the drop. I mean, his Look, whole face went... His, his whole face went to the right, I mean, when he got hit. And he was down, okay? So I don't care what anybody say. Love him, hate him, you know, nothing against Eddie Wineland. You're right. He's a beast. He just wasn't a beast that night. Wow. Yeah, you know, everybody was talking about kind of that fake that 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 um, Sean O'Malley threw and then came back with the with the straight, just caught him right on, yeah. right on the jaw. I mean, it was solid. It was flush. And Sean O'Malley called it. He said he was going yeah. to knock him out. Because and it was a it was an uppercut fake, to be quite honest. Because like, yeah, it was just like a it was like a one two and bam, and it was over with. Just like that, one hit or quitter. Yeah, Neil Magny and a walk off at that. Yeah, yeah, Neil Magny versus Anthony Rocco Martin, um, or is it Martin? Uh. Magni defeated Martin via unanimous decision. Now, people were saying that that was a controversial victory. A lot of people were giving uh, uh, Martin the, the, the victory here, or is it Martin? I don't know. Um, but they felt like Neil Magni lost that fight. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. And again, that, you know, that, that brings up another issue, probably for another show again. But when we go back to talking about the judging criteria, maybe get a, a guest or two on who can help us speak some um, speak to our viewers out there about what referees and judges are looking for in that. Yeah, I, I think that that would be a really good show for us to get. 
just so that we can begin to standardize the conversation around what should a judge look for in a fight and how we can begin to, as fans, be more educated about how we look at fights and agree, begin to agree, or come closer to agreeing on what's happening in the ring, what should be scored and what shouldn't, and ultimately, who should win the fight. Hmm. All right. Well, one that was real easy to determine who won was Aljermaine Sterling, who defeated Corey Sanhagen by <laughs> rear naked choke in the first round. Uh, I'm a Sanhagen fan, but ugh, not his night. Man, he got Colorado. <laughs> he got dealt with on a personal basis, man. Um, that was that sleeping was, on that Matt Sarah BJJ. Oh, I know. Hey, Sarah Longo, all the way, baby. So this was this was. I'm happy for Aljamain for the simple fact that he should be in the title fight, and not and, and nothing against Josie Aldo, but Josie Aldo doesn't need to be there. This should have this should have been Aljamain Sterling. And Peter Yan. I'm sorry. That's how I felt. Who is Josie? <laughs> Get him, KC. <laughs> I said it. I'll say it again. All right. Your mama named me Jose. I'm going to call you Jose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he I ain't here. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I don't believe that Jose Aldo should be in the title fight versus Peter Yan. Like, I don't understand how a person can lose fights at 145, go down to 135, lose a fight, and then get put in a title fight, not get to fight in that title fight, and then get to put get put in the vacant title fight after that. Like, what did Joseph... I can tell you how, Ryan. I can tell you how. It's called being a dominant champ for over 10 years. It's called uh, fighting for... Losing a title, continue to fight for it, take a fight again, and maybe lose to one of the great all-time 145ers in um, Holloway and still have enough gall to take a fight or two after that at 145 and realize, okay, I've done what I can at 145. Let me step down to 135 and challenge who somehow that fight never happened. But um, th that's what I think happened. Oh, and then at 135, the fight that I lost, overall overwhelming consensus is that the judges got it wrong. Didn't we just talk about that topic? I, I, I didn't think the judges got it wrong. I think Marlon Harris won that fight. You, you need your vision checked. <laughs> yep, pull them glasses out. I, I don't know where they are right now, but I have glasses. <laughs> I will rewatch that fight, and then I will tell you that Marlon Mahes still pulled the rabbit out of the hat, made magic. Oh, there was a rabbit, all right. So, but Aljamain Sterling is the next man up. So he said he's going to stay ready in the event that Jose Aldo gets hit by a bus, which in Brazil, oh, there's a high oh. probability that it could happen. Um, he's going to be ready to take that fight versus um, Peter Jan, which I think is is a great fight. In the co-main event, Rafael Sunsau lost his fight against Cody Garbrandt via vicious knockout in the second round it looked like he hit a home run with that one it was Dude, it was an amazing combo loved it well not really combos really just that one shot but i gotta wonder um is it as impressive when a dude's like a full foot shorter than you 
feel like beating up your little brother. It it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm a full foot taller than you, and it was great watching me beat you. Wow. In the the pre-show, someone told me that I should make sure to have the belt ready. And I was like, no, no, no. It's not going to come up this week. (laughs) It's going to come up every week. Every Every week. Every week. Good to know. (laughs) No. But uh, yeah, um, he lost. He 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 lost his his the match, his jaw, part of his soul. I know he lost some teeth somewhere. Um, that was a killer. That was just a killer punch. If you if you if for those who didn't see it, um, start up Mike Tyson's Punch Out on your favorite emulator, or if you happen to have a Nintendo, and do Little Max uppercut. That's exactly how it went down. Except when he hit. It a... <laughs> yeah, it was the rear hook. It was the right hook. It was a, it was did, a, it did anybody was... else think that Cody was losing that fight up until then? No. I had to go back and rewatch it, man. But I, I thought Cody was having a difficult time um, with Rafael. It was back and forth, but uh, Cody was definitely the aggressor, in my opinion. Uh, I, I do think that, and, and it's something that they've always said, a calm... And a focused Cody Garbrandt is a dangerous animal. It's when he loses it and he starts giving into his passion. It's when he gets knocked out and you know running in trying to hit somebody. But he was I focused. Felt, oh, go ahead. I, I felt very opposite about what I saw with him. Like I, I didn't, I didn't feel like he was focused or anything. I almost felt like he wasn't there mentally in the build-up to the fight. Like, the things that I was saying in his walk walk up to the cage, um, how calm he was in the cage and things like that, I felt like he wasn't there mentally. And I'd have to go, I'm going to have to go back and watch this fight again just so I can push aside my own biases about what I thought that I saw at the time. Because sometimes we can talk ourselves into what we think a fighter's doing or not doing. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I, from what I remember, man, I didn't think Cody was doing all that hot. I was expecting a lot more... Um, out of him in terms of this fight and i i, I want to say i felt like he was losing the fight up until you know that knockout now don't get me wrong that knockout was beautiful he actually grabbed the fence through it i mean his elbow was parallel to his shoulder the the structure of it was just right and he tagged him right on the money and Rafael bit the canvas like immediately like he planted yeah. down face first man you you couldn't you, you couldn't orchestrate or script a better knockout than that. Just the way he drew off the fence. So he loaded that, that punch up well in advance, and it was a beautiful shot, man. I could have sworn I saw I heard him mouth, you know, you want to see a dead body? And just hit him. <laughs> and was just Anybody want to see a dead body? <laughs> you know, there but, were people uh, saying that that, that, that knockout was, was, was not legit, that they were saying that it was so clean. <laughs> No, I was reading this online that there were people who were saying that it was it it really didn't look like he hit him. Mm. Okay, so about Even in the that, slow motion. I'm just I, this is one of the headlines that I read, and I was like, I don't, I don't, I I've watched it, I don't see what they're seeing, but it is such a clean Weird start shot. for conspiracies. It 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 it's such a clean shot that I mean, I mean, it's you, you don't get cleaner than that, man. It was just smooth. Yeah, it, it was a, it, he was, and um, it was just a it was a perfect shot. I mean, 
I, and you know he was doing damage because when um, when a sun had had slipped and fell or he got knocked down and he came up, you could hear him mouthing, "I didn't. It was just a slip. It didn't hurt me." And we all know that when they say it didn't hurt them, it hurt them all too much. Right. So it was just a pre, it was just a prelude to what was about to happen. And you know, congrats to Cody. We'll see you next. We'll see you next round. Yeah. Well, someone that we won't see next round is Felicia Spencer. She got demolished by Amanda Nunes. By Felicia. It was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Amanda Nunes defeated uh, uh, Felicia Spencer via unanimous decision. She even got a couple, two, ten, two judges gave her a 10-8 round. Um, it, was, uh, it was pretty much a beatdown. It was, it was a bad look for Spencer that in the very first punch of the match she was cut like it just went downhill from there like how do you get cut on the first like don't you have vaseline come on the opening sequence of yeah Yeah. that's that's whenever you get you you get cut and you're like man i got 24 more minutes (laughs) (laughs) oh your cut man is looking at you at that point like, what did I do wrong tonight? Like, yeah. How did I deserve this? I mean, that's faster than a Diaz brother bleed. Like, oh, that's well. immediate. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's like Clay Guida speed right there. That's, that's it. <laughs> well, you got to remember now, Felicia, give her some credit. She's coming off, I think, who was her last matchup? Cyborg? Nobody remembers? Okay, we're going to bite the dust on that one. Anyway, what I'm saying to you is Felicia has had some some difficult or some hard fights in her stint with the UFC right now. So you got to remember, she's fighting the top of the crop. And so when we see her, you know, take shots or or, or things like that, you got to remember, this is the top of the food chain for her. You know what I mean? So please, we got to give her some props on it. And she lasted five rounds. Who does that with the GOAT? She went on five. That was hard. The last person to to even uh, last the fight with with Amanda was who? Uh, Jermaine Durandamy? Yeah, Jermaine Durandamy. And those of you who are uninitiated probably think I'm talking about a guy. <laughs> She's as big as a dude. She's a big dude. Big, big, big See, woman. I'm gonna need you to I'm gonna need you to stop uh, body shaming. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, Jermaine Durandamy is a full. She is just a very powerful muscular woman like she is not yeah she is not a slouch in by any means but once you get to 145 you go you go and look at jermaine durandamy and tell me if you think that she is she's a slouch she is a just powerful woman physical specimen she is and how do you feel about chris cyborg same yeah chris chris cyborg didn't last how long with these girls i mean with um with amanda meanwhile felicia goes five rounds with her i I think that speaks volumes right what as far as y'all go ahead i'm listening casey We've been doing this how long? <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish, but first, Beyonce had the best comment. <laughs> Kanye West is in the building. <laughs> uh, 
I, I for for real forgot my point at this point. <laughs> like, we were we were talking about um, Felicia Spencer and her ability uh, to last with someone like the goat, as opposed to Cyborg getting knocked out in fifty one seconds. And Felicia also um, fought Cyborg, and I think she took Cyborg to a decision. No, I don't remember, but I, I, she did very well with Cyborg as well. No. Felicia Felicia lasted uh, all, um, she lost three rounds to Cyborg. Yeah. So she's durable. So what, that's what we're what we're learning is that Felicia is definitely a uh, you know a person who can take a punch, uh, but when it comes, uh, it's more than just durable. And that, that's what I'm saying. We're we're looking at who she's fought and how she's done, and we're 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 making our judgments on her based upon the level of talent of the other person. And not giving her her due frame. She's a jujitsu black belt. Granted, Amanda's interview, she's like her back black belt don't stand up to mine. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Amanda is top of the top of the crop, and Felicia is no slouch in, in in as Ryan said in any shape, form, or fashion. She's just not on that level of Amanda. In fact, very few I think of anyone in Amanda's two weight divisions that's really on her level right now. Period. They're, they're, she, she, Amanda has the same problem right now that Ronda Rousey had several years ago. There, there's a there's a gap in the skill level, and it's going to take some time for these girls to catch up. Woo! I, so my 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 only counterpoint to that is Chris Cyborg got caught. I don't think that it is representative of what a fight between Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg should be. She got what caught. You talking about Willis? Facts. Go, go back and watch what that you fight. About like we can look. I I have watched that fight because it's only fifty one seconds long. I watched it over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing: Chris Cyborg went in there, gonna try to maul Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes closed her eyes and started swinging for the fences. She caught Chris. Chris got rocked and didn't recover. That's what happened. You go back and you will see. Felicia Spencer got cut. Opening sequence of her fight. Amanda Nunes was thrown with eyes closed. That's what I go back and watch. It's just one of yeah, those no. things where you catch somebody and they it, it happened, but it wouldn't happen twice. She's lucky that Chris Cyborg is now over in Bellator. Bellator. Wow. So I gotta wonder though, did did Nunez let this fight go on as long as she wanted just to prove she had a tank? Because that's come up quite a bit. And, I mean, she alludes to as much in the end, so, like, uh, in her uh, post-fight interview. So how much credence do you give to that notion that she just really wanted to prove that she can go, as she puts it, six rounds and still have fun? I mean, the Jermaine Durandamy fight went went five rounds, so she'd proven yeah, it then. Yeah, but she looked rough. <laughs> Because she does not look good in those championship rounds. Let's be real. But that's the other thing that I would say is I want to see Jermaine Durandamy fix her her ground game a little bit, and then let's run that back. I think that that's going to be one of those people that's going to give uh, that that's going to give Amanda Nunes a run for her money. There aren't many people who could do that. I mean, you, you're not looking at 125ers like Valentina Shevchenko, who's already lost twice, right? Like. You, you you don't have anybody. Dude, they're else. already talking about Wait. a matchup between Amanda and Whaley Zane. Yeah. Like what? I'm Somebody that. mentioned that to me the other day. I was like, you know what? The, the the weight difference though is is such a factor in it. Think about it in terms of that. 
Amanda can fight at 145 and looks good at 145. Willie Zane fights at what? 125. It's, it's a big difference, man. But it can be done because Ryan fought at what, 283 and I fought at 275. Oh, there we go. 283. I'm just saying, this is. Willie Zane would have to come up basically two weight classes to face Amanda. Who yeah. is probably cutting weight even still to hit 145? Yeah. It's it's not a fair fight. Yeah, but but that's going to be the fight that fans are going to want to see. You get one more fight with Wei Lei Zhang, you know. I don't know. I guess uh, she may get the the winner out of what is it? Who, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know if uh, Rose Nama Yunus is going to fight again. I'm confused. Are we sure? Is Wei Lei at 125 or is she 115? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's 115. You're right. So it's she's got to come up three weight classes, basically. She'd fight at belt. She'd fight at bantam weight. So she'd fight at 135. So it'd still be two weight classes, but, you, but it's 115 you, to 135. You get what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. It, it, there is a huge discrepancy between these two women. Huge, and it, I don't think it would be. It, it's not a fight that I think the UFC should necessarily make. I get it. It makes sense in terms of their popularity and things going on with them right now. But in terms of just the sheer, you know, discrepancy in size, I don't think that's a fair fight. It's not a good look. It's yeah. not a good, great matchup. All right. It's well, like Connor fighting Usman. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we're going to talk about that in a little bit later in the show. So, so here's the question that uh, Kalechi posed, and, and that is goat status. Is Amanda Nunes the greatest of all time. Now, when you look at her resume, she's undefeated um, in the UFC, and she's defeated every 135 and 145 pound champion. Like she has just a list of 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 of, of champions. The only person who's done what she's done is John Jones, who people are considering the greatest of all time. So, should, is Amanda Nunes the real goat? I mean, there's a lot of questions that Kalechi had. I'm, I might kick it over to you. Uh, yeah, I just, for, for me, what got me is um, from the time Amanda walks into the, the octagon till the time she's out, the uh, DC in particular can't stop saying GOAT. Like, we get it. She's great. But what makes her the GOAT? Because it, it had this bit of a Joe Rogan effect where um, Joe Rogan was not on board with Ronda Rousey, then all of a sudden she could beat up men. Like, may, maybe we get a little too out of carried away with our superlatives, and we forget that we're, we're looking at a fighter who will, like, whenever we're looking at the newest fighter, they always have the advantage of us saying that the competition level of competition they're fighting is better. So the women that Ronda Rousey was fighting, somehow not good, now the women that uh, Amanda is fighting are somehow better. And so we can't consider that. But literally just a couple of years ago, it was Ronda Rousey was the best we'll ever see. She gets dethroned because another champion with a... I, I'd say that uh, Amanda is probably more well-rounded, but is she though? Like she's just stronger than her competition. Like well, when it really comes down to tactics, is she a better, is she a better boxer? Do we really get to see her? She's who? knocked out Holly Holm. Strong, again, stronger That's than her competition. She head kicked Holly Holm. Head kicked destruction uh, on Holly Holm. That is that is Holly Holmes's move, and Holly got yeah. caught with a head kick. 
I, to me, I think so I, greatest of all time. Though. No, 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 no. <laughs> I See, agree. The thing no. is like, how do you even measure this metric? It's by but history. I, I, history will determine if she was the greatest of all time. Is she the greatest at this moment? Yes. Okay, because she has done exactly what we would. She has she has laid a path of destruction using former champions as her as her pathway. All right, that makes her the greatest right now. Now, in the end, all when it's all said and done, and she retires, will we look back at her and say, "Oh wow, she really was the greatest of all time"? Probably. We don't know. Let's oh. wait till she retires, and then let's look at her resume. Because I could look at a lot of fighters' resumes and say, okay, he may be the greatest of all time. You asked if Anderson Silva can be considered the greatest of all time. Yes. Yes. You know, he can be considered... What did you say, Casey? He is, like, without a doubt. Like, I don't know why we're questioning this. He was doing Matrix moves in the the octagon. Yes, he's one of the greatest. Um, Dude, Silva was literally teaching classes while he's in the (laughs) octagon. My man puts his hands by his side and says, let's go. Yes. He was doing that. He changed the way that people fight. Like, you had to learn jujitsu. Like, he was the he, true MMA artist. He did not. He was, go ahead. Jim. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> he, he forced an evolution in the middleweight division. Okay? He was one of the greatest of all time. He was the most dominant in, in, in his era. You could say he is... One of the greatest 185ers of all time. But once you start going across all fighters, can't, no. Demetrius Johnson? No. Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson broke Anderson Silva's record of title defenses. So there's that. You had Demetrius Johnson, who was also like the Matrix in the ring. I mean, the fight that he had with John Dodson was amazing, unbelievable. It, the fact is, is that D- Demetrius Johnson's 125 pounds, and and people don't respect that weight class. That's that's it. But when you go pound for pound, what Demetrius Johnson was able to accomplish in his career in, in the UFC, the only difference is, is that his is still going and he's still climbing mountains, while you know Anderson Silva right now is hanging out at base camp. I mean, he's been to the mountaintop, but... Anderson Silva is 42, 43? 44, I think. 43, 44, something like that. But you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, I I take nothing away from Demetrius Johnson. He is a force of nature, okay? I do not want to meet this dude in an angry mood, all right? And I'm six... uh, He's five foot... He's five foot two. two, Five three. I'm sorry. Five three. I'm six foot two. I don't want to get spin kicked in the head, Bob. Be quite honest. And it's and it's very possible that he could do that. Um, Yeah, he is the greatest because all the accomplishments that he did, he did it clean. There was not a. He was never. What he did it clean. Anybody get popped? Let's go through the list of greatest that got popped. You know what you guys sound like right now. You know how you know every. I, I just want to, you know, bring out the comparisons. You know, right. black Americans are talking about, hey, you know, uh, right. we're not talking about the police brutality. White Americans missing this point, and white America brings up the point, hey, what about these riders? That's what y'all sound like right now, talking about this this conversation. Oh, he wasn't clean. 
You know what? Man, you had to go there? Really? Y'all got to bring a point about PEDs. And we all know there was a time when PEDs were owned, accepted, and the whole nine in the UFC, K1, uh, Pride. Okay. The and then nine. when they weren't, say Anderson Silva got popped. Okay, so let's talk someone about can't it. be in consideration because of that, and you know he fought guys that were on PEDs as well. So what are we saying here? Okay, so let's There's talk about that for a second. You. Yeah, let's 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 unpack that for what you said because you said a lot right there, George. All right, so you know how I am. I'm very old school. I love that UFC one open weight, bare knuckle, blood in your teeth, oh, getting your crazy. getting the tooth knocked into the into oh, the officials. I love that. Oh, okay. Let them juice. Let them hey, either let them juice until they're peeing green, or, or keep them all clean. One or the other. I don't care. Okay. But over here. <laughs> yeah. Who, let who them, are you, Muhammad let them Ali? Now. <laughs> <laughs> Just hey, either be one way or be another. But let everybody play by the same set of rules. To say someone can't be considered in consideration for goat status because of his PED test. <laughs> and the truth is, regardless of the PED positive or whatever we have, we know that there was some contention about it. We know that Anderson states that, hey, I think the first one was, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a hormone, not a hormone, but uh, yeah. an erection pill or something like that. That's John Jones. And the, the second, well, That's no, John I think Jones. Anderson used that excuse Anderson as well. had it too. Uh, Anderson, yeah. And oh, then the yeah. second one, I think, um, was something related to his the injury and recovering from his um, broken tibula? Yeah. I, I don't remember. Yeah, so I don't know, man. What, what to to take him out of consideration for goat status because of those things? I think is is probably I, not the, the the best decision. He he, he 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 absolutely is a great fighter, and that's why we're just gonna go ahead and put an asterisk on it. You know, Barry Bonds it. Wow. You know, Barry Bonds the man. Hey, so, I but, can I can he not get way. into the Hall of Fame as a result of this? Oh, no. Of course he is. Oh, so you let him in the Hall of Fame, but you can't consider him the GOAT. Hey, I do the same thing with John Jones. Okay. I'll do the same thing to him. I'll put so, an asterisk. I'll put the, I will put a giant star by his, by his name. Okay. Saying that he juiced while he was a champ. Okay. Well, all this to take it back to what our original topic was, and that was about Amanda being considered the GOAT. We have by far not seen how much further she's going to take this. And like I said, looking at the discrepancy in the skill level that she possesses as opposed to a lot of her uh, fellow 145ers and 135ers, we're going to see her start to build that legacy. Right? Right now, she is on the cusp of creating her legacy. She still has not even reached the pinnacle, I feel like. And so as she progresses through her career, I think now you're going to start seeing these multiple title fences rack up both at 135 and 145. And that's going to create an even better dynamic for her to be considered the GOAT because she's doing it in two different way classes, defending belts, taking heads. What you got to say about that? I, 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 that was going to be when, when people asked me, is Amanda Nunes the GOAT right now? My answer is no. And the reason why is because it comes down to the fact that Amanda Nunes doesn't have enough title defenses because that's one of those things that you need to have. She is a champion of two divisions. Right now in the ladies um Ronda Rousey. Yeah, when at, at one at, at one thirty five, Ronda Rousey still but holds the you most see how John reacted to this? 
I think that's going to be your your response from a lot of people who are informed in the community. I laugh because I laugh because yeah, you're right about that, but they're right about it too because it's funny because Ronda Rousey does hold the most title defenses in women's MMA. Okay, Amanda, I, I also laugh because she was unfortunately a very quick puzzle. All right, once they found out her puzzle, the game was over with. Mm-hmm. So Amanda, while she's on the cusp of being there, she's still not there. Okay, she got she got a few more people to get there. So in a sense, you're both right, y'all both wrong. Yeah, so, but but that's the thing is that I'm not saying that she she's not building the resume to be the goat. I'm saying she's not there right now because she still has some title defenses to get through. Now she gets. But we're saying title. that a woman who she beat like with with dramatic flair is still the goat. Dude, she who's not even fighting it. anymore. Like she, when was the last time Ronda fought? Like two years ago. Listen, for but me, that's like saying you can't. I was gonna say, Go for, for me, you don't have to be undefeated to be the goat. And we start looking at, we start looking at people Still like out. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali got knocked out many times. Well, we're not we just talking the about the we... fact that she's undefeated. What we're saying is the fact that she was beaten by this woman, who we're saying is not in contention for goatness. Not right now, because the the fact is, is that that is one of those measures that she hasn't eclipsed yet. She's done a lot of great things, so I'm just saying, hey, this is one of those things where we want to see her win a couple of more title defenses, and then, boom, now she's eclipsed. Now she's setting the pace. Now she's putting that standard out there, but she's still, when it comes to that, she hadn't done it yet. I think there's got to be like an all-generations or all all decades type look at this because when we say greatest of all time like as as hype as we are right now about amanda nunez give it 10 years there's gonna be i don't know macy barber comes and does something macy wild barber. like Thank by you. the way that's not gonna happen um <laughs> oh wow <laughs> like wow. Just, she's not gonna be like it but it's going to be somebody who comes along and starts starts to wow us. And now we get caught back up in that GOAT conversation without realizing, like, it really is a generational gap. Like, Forrest Griffin isn't like the rest of who, I don't, I don't know, it's just, it's like, I've got some of those videos of the original UFC and, like, to fight then was different from what it is now. So to look right. at those guys and consider them goats, it just doesn't feel right to say that they were the greatest of all time when they're fighting dudes who just learned how to box last week. Like it's it's unconstructive right. for us to be focused so much on like the history of someone versus just looking at the body of the work that they've put together now. And for an active champion to be considered the goat doesn't make sense because we haven't reached the end of the career. And and it also doesn't make sense for us to look at, like, a Silva who's still fighting and say, like, oh, well, we're changing our minds on his GOAT status because he's losing to Israel Adesanya. So yeah, if on the up, tail end of his career. Yeah. You know, like, and I would never I would never think that about Anderson Silva. I'm sorry to cut you off, yeah, uh, Casey. Yeah. But I would never consider that about Anderson Silva because we saw Anderson Silva in his prime. We saw what he was doing, okay? Pretty much and at the end of his career, he could still, you know, lose and be okay in my book for the simple fact that when he he was still most dominant. It's just like if George St. Pierre came back today 
and he started losing left and right, he would still be considered one of the greats. Why? Because we saw his resume. Okay, right. his resume. But see, that's, that's it. That and that's what I that's that, that's what I commented in you know in the discussion group is the fact that there are so many other superlatives that you can give a fighter that doesn't have to be the goat. Like yeah. once you say goat, you're talking about transcending all of time. Why do we need to do that? I mean, because we yeah. don't have all of that information to be able to do it. It's a it's it's a fun argument to have. You know, I I I enjoy having it. But I think that it's 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 one of those things where I think we could definitely come back together and say, you know, over the decade that that um, that Anderson Silva was in his prime, there was no one that could touch him. He was the greatest. The, he was the most dominant of that time. That there was no fighter in that era that could touch Anderson Silva. But we know in now. His class. <laughs> in, well, in his weight class, but he could go up to two two hundred five as well. Well, yeah, he. He yeah. had several fights outside of his weight class during that time as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but could we say that Anderson Silva in his prime versus Israel Adesanya right now? I mean, we saw the two, but how do you how do you like that fight? It would be a good fight, but it'd be a toss up, right? I mean, we could we could right. agree with that right. that he wouldn't have been as dominant as he was back against fighting people like Chris Lieben or 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 uh, you know Ace Franklin or something like that. It just was. It, 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 you're not going to see that today. For for us to find one goat, the greatest of all time, we would. I mean, combat sports as a whole would have to stop, literally stop, and then we could sit there and judge who was the greatest fighter of all time. That's the only way that it can happen. Until and then, then young buck would come up and well, no, it's over. Well, that's saying, not, it's over. Yeah. It's over. Say we combat sports, combat sports forever. Yeah. Forever. And then we can sit there and say, okay, this was the greatest fighter of greatest fighters. Until then, we can only settle logically for one of the greatest. Because there's a great for their for every generation, there's gonna be that great that 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 evolution. Okay, that's gonna have that fighter, that's gonna be that evolution. We've already went through the John Jones rev evolution. We don't know who's next. So, so okay. I, I, I think this. Let's start coining something new because I don't believe in the Mount Rushmore. There's not enough spaces on the Mount Rushmore. There's only four spaces right. on the Mount Rushmore. Greatest of okay. all time, I don't think that it, it, it's not a feasible measure. But we could say something like this warrior would go to Valhalla. A BMF. No. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Beat him his own game, Casey. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, let, let's close the book on this one and put it on the shelf. This one is history. And now let's look at some of the headlines coming out of the weekend, even though it's, I mean, most of our headlines really aren't about UFC 250. It's about other things going on. This is Finding the Angles. This is Finding the Angles. This is where we look at the headlines that are that people are talking about here in the MMA world. The first one, I'm calling money troubles because everybody's mad at Dana White and the UFC over money. Cash money at that. John Jones laments being ripped off by the UFC, warns that young fighters against the pay structure 
you know, we have talked many times about the UFC and fighters and whether or not fighters are getting uh, their fair share of the millions that the, the, the organization is making uh, on, the, on these fighters. And John Jones is one of the people who is kind of leading the charge right now and saying after the failed negotiations with him versus Francis Ngannou, John Jones has really been vocal about the fact that the UFC hasn't in the past valued his services enough, and now they are unwilling to pay him what he deserves. But he's not the only one. You've also got Jorge Masvidal, the BMF, if you will, um, who is also upset about the fact that the, the UFC has this take-it-or-leave-it type approach to fight negotiations. He's saying that the 18% deal where UFC fighters make 18% of revenues of the UFC, uh, which is much lower than other professional sports and also lower than other uh, MMA promotions, uh, this is one of those things where the fighters, the bigger names, are starting to say, hey, this isn't fair. Welcome to the ESPN era. Mm. So that's the problem. This pay-per-view model. Go ahead, Casey. I'm sorry. No, you had it. I was, I was, this pay-per-view model is is going to totally wreck fighters when it comes to pay, because no matter what you bring to the table, ESPN is one of the one cutting the check to the UFC. So therefore, the UFC doesn't even have a a dog in that fight anymore. I don't care what you do, John Jones. I'm getting paid by, the, by ESPN now. And so now I can treat you, taking, taking a, a, a page from last week, I can subhumanize your efforts oh. in the octagon. <laughs> and in many ways, they don't matter as much. So uh, what gets me in all of this is, you know, I'm always going to be, oof. Not always. Let me back off that statement. Oh. But when it comes, <laughs> when it when it comes to the UFC, uh, I'm very much in favor. I'm pro union when it comes to the fighter contracts and what they have to do. And the problem that I've seen over and over again with UFC is they want to act like, well, Dana White specifically wants to act like they're still a startup, like they're still in that struggling to find um, uh, seed money and get B series funding, like. You're not there anymore, and it's time to step up and act like a full-grown league. You can't keep halfway doing things and, and, and halfway, oh, we can't afford to pay our fighters, but we're hitting record profits. Or, oh, we've got this deal with uh, Reebok, but uh, most fighters uh, on the lower levels aren't going to get the same level of pay that they had before. Or, oh, we signed this deal with ESPN. Now we have to change our, our pay structure for, for fighters getting uh, – uh, buy-ins or, or a percentage of the gate or a percentage of uh, pay-per-views. Why are you even doing pay-per-views? Like, however your structure is, figure it out because this halfway thing is starting to lose. It's one thing everyone wants to make fun of John Jones, but now that there's a clamoring of the bigger fighters, Conor McGregor retiring over money, that's that's unheard Harry of. Cejudo. Oh, yeah. like you're losing your talent because you're not taking care of them and you're acting like a startup and you are it, this is every part of this is bad for combat sports not just for ufc but this actually is going to uh, affect bellator and the product that they put out and as a young fighter you're starting to get more options which you would think would be good 
But the reality is, like, the best move for MMA would be for the UFC to stop acting like they're a startup and figure out how to better pay their people and put in just more rules and regulations over um, basically fighter conduct. Because you, you kind of get back into that notion of, like, you can bad boy your way into a title fight and make more money. And so you're you're diluting your product. But that's just me. So. I want to play devil's advocate to you. Why? So these fighters are, I, I just want to play this out long-term and talk about the rip, the repercussions of what the UFC is doing. Because yeah. um, that's what we have to look at. How is this going to play out 5, 10, 15 years down the line if, if, if we persist down this road? So right now I'm telling fighters that, hey, you know what? You don't like it? You can leave or you can threaten to leave or whatever the case. Because right now, everybody knows that the show to be on, the, the one when you want to watch the top level uh, fighters in the world, you're going to tune into the UFC. But if these top level fighters start leaving, think about this for a minute. Demetrius Johnson, when was the last time you watched one of his fights? Yeah, I'll wait. <laughs> Well, you get what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So these, even though these other promotions are going to be able to pay these guys better, me as a common fan, a run-of-the-mill fan, not not one of the guys who who's a blogger or who's uh, credentialed as a press or something like that, the common ordinary fan, I'm only going to go watch the UFC. And I may or may not understand the fact that there are way better fighters out there. So the UFC is in a, 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 a definitely in a position to to run that show. Now, vice versa. The other side of that coin is these fighters who are threatening to leave, they should leave. John Jones should vacate that title, go for the Bellator, beat up on, on uh, what's his name, Ryan Bader, take that title and build another legacy over at Bellator. That will lift that up long term. What that's going to do for, for us as fans, we're going to get better fighters. It's going to bring better quality to other shows and other promotions. It's going to put spotlights on those other shows and it will start to drag in those other fans. And yeah. Until we get the John Joneses, the Henry Cejudos, the Conor McGregor's going to fight in other places. And also, competition is going to make the UFC get better because we know they're the number one fish out there right now. And if, they, if, if, if they start losing some high-level talent like that to other promotions, they're going to step their game up or they're going to fix this fight or pay issue because they're not going to want to lose that, that kind of talent consistently. They, think about the investment that the UFC puts into several of these fighters. Think about what they did with Conor. They took Connor from, uh, I forget the, what the name of his promotion was, where he had a belt or whatever, but they put him on the fast track to become a megastar, not a superstar, a megastar. So that, that's an investment on their part. You get what I'm saying? And so yeah. do I want to lose my investment over my long-term investment? Because think about how many how many more years Connor can fight. You know, he, he shouldn't be retiring. So the UFC, it... it I think these fighters should go ahead and call the UFC's bluff and go elsewhere and let this play out long term. So here's so we got an audience comment coming in. Uh, this is Scott Brown. He's watching on YouTube and he's saying they shouldn't sign it's these not, eight five eight fight right. deals. Like when you're signing mm -hmm. these long term deals, eight fights, seven fights. When when your stock goes up you don't really have a place to negotiate from. you got to fight out the rest of your contract. You can't just go anywhere. That's the thing. Everybody's like, well, go to Bellator. Why don't you vacate your title and go? Because he is contractually obligated for more fights. And that's what Dana White has, is saying because he's kind of, I'm not going to say pulling his hair out, but he's like, 
This is what's crazy. He's like, here's the thing about Masvidal. We just signed a new deal with Masvidal. Masvidal just signed an eight-fight deal. He's got seven fights left on his deal. My people were working with him and trying to get him a deal done, and he's already got a deal. John Jones has seven fights wow. left on his deal. He signed his less than a year ago. Like, and now, now you're coming back and you're saying, right. so, you're saying, oh, well, I want more money. No, you signed a new deal. Eight fights. You got all the money you were you asked for eight fight, a year ago, a few months ago I, for Jorge. I wonder Masvidal. were some of these deals signed and agreed to prior to the ESPN era. Because that does change you, what, why I signed that eight-fight deal originally. I, I signed that, that fight under a pay-per-view model where I could make more money and that I, I wouldn't have to worry about um, a, another potential partner in play who's padding your pocket but not padding mine. Now, see, if and the, if then the, also oh. the other thing to think about on, 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 in, in terms of this right now, and this is COVID-related, is the fighters are also missing missing additional income just from the gate buy-ins. Well, now see, in a benevolent benevolent world uh, where everything is fair, you're right. They should be able to renegotiate their contracts once they signed on to a new new company. However, they don't why they ain't letting that happen. You signed that contract, come hell or high water, you gonna we're gonna honor that contract and we'll see you at the end of it. Um. Maybe. So, uh, you know, the ESPN UFC deal was signed in May of 2018. It became live in 2019. So John Jones got his new deal right as the ESPN thing happened. It's likely that 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 was when he got his new deal was when the ESPN thing, all the all the pay structures changed because of ESPN. So if Jorge Masvidal, he's only a few months ago, according to Dana White. So that we know that is in the ESPN era. Maybe John Jones has some qualms, but Jorge Masvidal sure sure shouldn't. Ooh, I don't know about shouldn't. I'm saying because he had an opportunity to sign a new deal a few months ago. Clearly, right. they gave him what he asked for because he signed it. I mean, I, I've signed some contract in my day where I'm like, mm, I'm leaving money on the table, but. I, I need to do something here. I don't think Jorge Masvidal not, was in, it got his arm behind that, his back. Where also, like, I need to do something right now. Jorge Masvidal not well, in that situation. He kind of is in that position. Well, they because, do do that because I think Scott was just saying that, hey, these guys are messing up by fi- signing these eight-fight deals. That's what they're offering. That's what was being put on the team. These guys' lawyers and managers and say, hey, how for and this much more money or something like that. The UFC is is gangster. They are Al Capone folks. Here's this eight fight deal, sign it or go go talk to Bellator. Well, so Scott Scott's all still he's still there. He's saying the, the MMA fighters are seeing what boxers make. It's what the boxers are making. The boxers are making thirty million for a fight. I'm sitting here. I'm getting. I'm in four ounce gloves. I'm making two million. I'm making. I mean, Manda Nunes made four hundred fifty thousand. That's yeah, trash. she made four hundred fifty thousand for her fight. You got fighters out here making tens of millions. I mean, Conor McGregor on that Floyd Mayweather fight walked away with a hundred million. But that's the thing, though, is the fact that you are fighting in it's apples to oranges comparison. You can't just look at the money. Yeah. Boxing is set up differently. The belts belong to the commissions. 
the promotions that you sign up for are bidding on those permission, bidding on the fights that the commissions are setting up. And so therefore, the in order to get a fight televised under your brand, you've got to pay tons of money to the fighter to get that fighter to fight under your flag. I mean, that's the way it, it is. And so on the UFC, the UFC controls the belts. The UFC only uses the commissions for uh, for sanctioning. That's it. So, Ryan, I want to correct something you're saying here. I, I get what you were saying. You're saying that boxing is, is basically that the commissions are over the belts. That's not true. So there are sanctioning bodies in boxing. The WBA, WBC, WBO, those are sanctioning bodies. They're not committed. They are still held to the standards of the commissions of the state. They're, they're two separate bodies and entities. Forgive me. That I, I, I used the wrong, the wrong terminology. What, what I meant to say is mm -hmm. it's the, the, the commission is the WBC holds the, holds the, the belt. The sec it, right. They are the sanctioning body for that belt. The sanctioning body for that belt. Promotions have to then bid to have that fight under their promotion. That's where you get a ton yes. of money. That's where you get the television deals and all that kind of stuff because they want to 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 televise and 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 host that fight. The UFC owns the fighters. It owns the belt, and it's in contract with ESPN. Right. Whereas WBO, WBA, they can contract with Showtime. Uh, HBO, they can go to the zone. They, you know, they got several options to play this out. And also, who's the other big one right now? Um, Paramount, I think, are getting into the boxing game as well more now. Paramount's got big money. I think they're owned by, I can't remember, but it, it's big Viacom. So yes. that's big money there. So, so that's why you can get bigger paychecks because of the structure of the sport. And so. It, until you're able to exercise some level of freedom, which perhaps a fighter's union will allow you the ability to do that, where now you've got some bargaining power. Because right now, a fighter, an individual fighter, and that's what we're finding out even with Conor McGregor, we're finding out with John Jones, individually, they do not have the bargaining power because the UFC is in a much more powerful position. But if... They all leave or they all went on strike and the UFC doesn't have fighters that are willing to fight that or they don't have fighters that people are willing to see. Then we see how it happens whenever they can't put on shows and they're losing a hundred million dollars thanks to COVID. So they are putting painting themselves into a, a self-created problem because even if like if we change nothing else, there's still a lot of revenue that could be shared. There's a lot, there's a lot more pie that is there. Like the, the UFC is not destitute and they're percentage wise, just not paying their fighters on the same level. So right now uh, I'm in that camp where it's like, I'm starting to wonder, is it worth me paying $70 to watch this, this event at home? Uh, my experience is just different. Uh, but the product that's being put out there, uh, like when we had that first week, we had three fights back to back. Everything was stacked. This card I wasn't as excited about. I think the next card I'll probably feel similar. Uh, what happens when we don't even have the names that we have on this card available going forward? There'll be new names. Like, it's the, but there's the fighter development, right? So this comes right. back to like, 
where they're willing to invest their money. Uh, they have to get better at not making the fighters figure out how to talk on the microphone. You've got your whole film studio. Make a compelling like video for me to want to watch them without the fighter having to talk. These guys are paid to fight, not to be talkers on the microphone, uh, as Aljamain Sterling can attest to. <laughs> Some people are not ready to talk. <laughs> but the other piece is like you pay your people and they'll stay. Like this is just good management. Like your your overall turnover. Like you, it costs more to reacquire an asset uh, or, or reacquire uh, uh, or acquire a fighter and, and invest in him than it would to simply just invest in the people who are already in your promotion. Pay them more, market them, and it'll be a cheaper bottom line hit than if you had to go out and say, "All right, we got to we got to get new blood in here." I I, I disagree oh, with economics. But- I disagree. Well, before you, as a before you state your disagreement, I want to co-sign what Casey's saying. Invest in these fighters, even if it's not monetarily, but do like you did Conor McGregor. Build up this legend of a fighter so that yeah. he can go make a million dollars fighting some boxer somewhere and then let him... You, you get what I'm saying? Like We're not seeing that consistently. Y'all remember back in the day when we wanted to see the Anderson Silva and uh, Roy Jones Jr. fight. Why yeah. did that fight not happen? You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that would have been beautiful. And that's what I'm saying. Is the UFC needs to to treat a lot of these young fighters the way they did Conor McGregor. Invest in him, build this person up, so that they can make money no matter what, hand over fist, either through the UFC or some outside venture. And then that person is going to want to stick around. You remember when when Conor was co-signing everything the UFC said? He's like, Dana White's my best friend. Yeah. Lorenzo Fatita and I hang, are drinking buddies. Like, you remember that? Yeah. Yep. Now all of a sudden, uh, Connor wants to retire. They stop. They, they they stop investing in him in the same. It's the third. It's the third time that he's retired. Here, here, here's uh, we we gotta we gotta keep moving on. But I I, I yeah. do want to respond to you, uh, Kalechi. While when it comes to customer acquisition costs, it is absolutely true. It is cheaper to keep customers than get new customers. It is not the same thing for fighters. New fighters that come into your promotion don't make as much as a fighter who has proven himself over time. That fighter is going to make more money, so it's going to cost you more the better your fighters do than bringing a new fighter on. Like, John Jones is talking about it right now. When John Jones started, he was making... You know, he was making like $2 million a fight. Now he's demanding $10 million a fight. Yeah, they could pay him $10 million a fight, or they could just find another John Jones and pay him $2 million again. I mean, your your new fighters are going to make less because they're going to be happy just to be in the UFC. Just to be able to give give the shot and put on a main event somewhere, put on a a main event on 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 a fight night, for a new fighter, if they're dynamic, that is living. That's what Sugar Sean O'Malley's doing right now, right? He is. Yeah. No one's gonna pay. I'm not paying he's for not a get, card headline. He's not by making O'Malley. Connor money. I tell you, who spoke about it was Kevin Holland when he was talking about the, the Tiago Santos. So basically, John Jones said, "Hey, I'm making five million per fight or whatever." And Kevin, I think he put out a tweet that said, "Hey, I fought Tiago Santos, the guy who you almost lost to." And I only got, I think he said maybe five thousand for that fight or whatever the case. Hmm. And you got five million. Such a huge, you know. But 
But right. see, that's anyway. the thing, right? Is yep. the longer, the more successful a fighter, the longer the fighter's there, the more money they want. So they become more expensive over time. It almost makes sense for the UFC to go and cultivate these fighters, get them as big as they as they can, and then ship them off the Bellator. Because you've got now all these performance institutes all around the world. You've got the biggest brand. You're able to find and cultivate new fighters, and they, you are the preferred place to fight. While you're sending off all of your top-line, most expensive fighters to your competitors, so you've got Bellator trying to get... I mean, you, how much would Bellator pay for John Jones? They would pay through the nose for John Jones. He still only fights missing, three times a year on a platform that nobody watches. But you're missing part of the economics there of, like, yes, it's more expensive, but I'm more likely to go to a Conor McGregor fight, meaning that your gate costs are going to... Or your gate revenue is going up, and that's a big piece of what they have to consider. It's like who's going to show up for a fight, but but that's that's today. That's not going to be forever. It's it's not. But then you can change forever. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that the UFC can always decide to pay their fighters more. They can always change their policy. But for right now, they are in the 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 power position. They have the biggest brand. They've got access to the most number of fighters, the greatest number of talent. And they control the belt, and they control who gets to fight. So when you have all of that power, why should I negotiate? Yeah, go ahead. Until it starts to actually hurt them, which it hasn't yet. They've sent off Rory McDonald, Gegard Mousasi. They've sent off you know a, a, a lot of these fighters that were up and coming. Ryan Bader's gone. You know Brandon Vera's gone. Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez is gone. DJ. Demetrius Johnson, like all of these fighters, has the UFC lost anything outside of COVID nineteen? No, they're still the biggest brand. They still got. They're still considered to have the best talent in the world. We're not seeing. We're not seeing any other the competitors rise to really rival them. I, I would love to. I would love to look at the overall pay per view revenues and see how it if it's flattened out. If we we look at a median for the year. And without your stars, like years that you don't have a star like Conor McGregor, how are your revenues doing? I would imagine that without these big stars, their overall revenue actually goes down when they don't have a star that they've cultivated. But that's the thing, right? You, everyone believes that the UFC makes their money off of pay-per-views. They don't. They Pay-per-views are gravy for the UFC. They make their money yeah. off of putting on shows, whether it's a fight night, whether it's... It, it has to get televised on ESPN. If they make their number, they get $750 million. That's how it works. So it's, there's still, either way, there's money to be had. There, there's money, it's just Yeah, there's money to be had, and, and there are fighters who are willing to fight it. As long as they put on a card and people tune in, and you don't have to tune in a lot, you, you just have to put on, you have to meet your obligation. That is what they have to do. Put on the show. Put on the show. Yeah. Regardless of who tunes in. Exactly. So, so at, as a labor advocate, I'm here for the ad uh, for the athletes, no matter what. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. So, so when we start talking about advocacy, we've got people who are commenting, uh, you know, uh, a lot about George Floyd, and so want to circle back to that because when we started talking about last week and our personal feelings about about you know the killing of George Floyd, um, we we hadn't had enough time to hear what fighters have had to say. We had not had enough time to hear what, what's going on in the UFC with regard to this. Um, people asked 
Dana White. Um, there was an article where <laughs> they interviewed Dana White, and he had nothing to say. In the in in the in the, it was it was kind of embarrassing because you've got this 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 president of the UFC who has a lot of black fighters. Who, when they asked him about it, he's like, you know, they they asked him is like, is the UFC interested in making a statement as an organization? Because since since this is this is you know the the the, the protests have started. There are a lot of organizations who have come out and 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 stood in solidarity, at least in word, publicly announcing or their support of the the the, the protests that are going on. The reporter asked Dana White if he was planning on having something that he was going to say um, about the protest, about kneeling, anything. And Dana White's like, I don't even know how to answer that question. The reporter says, so that's well, a no. he he actually did and answer it previously. I mean, yeah. they did a tribute to George Floyd um, at the last uh, pay-per-view event. We're looking at timelines here. But we're looking at timelines. When he was first asked, he didn't have anything to say. Then I guess the PR was like, mm, we can't really do that, so let's work on getting him something to say. Now they did a, tri a tribute at the show, right? And when was this tribute done? Saturday, right? No, this, this tribute was done um, the week before at some other event, I thought. The George Floyd tribute that the UFC did was was uh, definitely prior to this weekend. Well, how, the thing I got they say, had before then. I'd have to go back and watch it, but I I, I thought that they did something it, in in reference to George Floyd prior to this. There was a, there was like a, a I think a fight night card or something like that. I think the bigger piece on this that bothers me is like yes, there's tributes out there. Um, but he as an individual is not making a statement. He, he is literally the face of the organization and, and can't find anything to say here. And that's, that's, that's troubling at the very least. Uh, but it's also indicative of the fact like he's, he's friends with the president who doesn't see kindly on kneeling or using sports as a political statement. So when when you're friends with somebody and and indebted to in in, in a very real and tangible way, uh, someone with that level of power, then it it silences him. So it's it's hard for me to even say that this is like a lack of empathy on uh, Dana's part, so much as you've got the arguably the most powerful man in the world you're beholden to, and you do not want to cross him. So it's it's a precarious situation for. Dana White to be in where his entire organization, well, a majority of his organization is uh, black and he can't speak to it. So the, uh, go ahead. I think we're, I, I'm not certain, but I think we are missing some information in reference to this and I don't know if we're we're being a little too quick to judge Dana or not. I'd, I'd really like an opportunity to go back and look at um, some of the things that have taken place because I'm I'm fairly certain there was a tribute done almost immediately on one of those fight night shows, um, and it, it was not a small venture or whatever. So someone took the time to say, "Hey, look, we're doing this," and I can't help but think that Dana had that at least okay it and approve it, regardless of whether he felt one way or the other about it. But they the UFC definitely did do something 
to pay tribute to George Floyd. So I, I want right. that yes. to be clear I, I, and understood. They, they, they did. They did. It was at UFC Fight Night Woodley versus Burns. So it was on May 30th. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I'm not trying to say I'm agreeing with, with the statements that White said. That that he, he said that I would never try to tell somebody how to express themselves. That's about as honest a statement that I can accept from anybody, okay, as a being a, a, a business owner, as a CEO. Saying that I'm not going to stop anybody from, from expressing themselves, I'll take that and be like, okay, I'm good with that. Because it's one thing to sit there and say they need they need to you know respect the flag or they can't be they can't be protesting on my um, on on my um, on my time or anything like that as compared to, I need to go ahead they they need to go ahead and express themselves however they need to feel they 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 need to express themselves I can respect that a lot more and I understand that you know that white is beholden to Trump. Okay, he is. He 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 said many a time. White has said many a time that he owes Trump everything. All right, so I get it. He's trying to he's trying to thread the line between a person that he owes versus you know the company and how they express themselves, knowing that the president doesn't feel that way. So did I say it was the right thing for him to say? Not saying that. What I'm saying is I understand. Okay. Now, there are fighters who have been speaking out. So Israel Adesanya, in the protests that were taking place in New Zealand, um, he uh, actually had a lot to say. And you know, he talked about the fact that you know, even in New Zealand, some of the things that we experience about going into a store and people following you around and you got to keep your hands in your pockets and, and make it very apparent that you're not stealing something is the same thing that he experiences in, in New Zealand where they had to walk with their hands behind their backs, right? You know, he said that he get the place where he's living now, that's a place where he is he's in the elevator with people and they get afraid when he's in the elevator. And so he feels it very deeply, but he's on the other side of the world. You know, and yeah. so that's very interesting that this experience that we talked about last week is something that it's not you it, it 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 is unique to us, but it is it it isn't at the same time. Yeah. So um one of the other fighters that we've talked about previously, John Jones. We saw this. <laughs> John Jones patrolling the streets of Albuquerque. Caught some fight, caught some uh, some some vandals getting ready to uh, to spray a building, and he's like, "Give me that, give me that spray can." <laughs> they were oh, like, man. "Yes, sir." Exactly. Yes, sir. You know, we're we, we're trying to do. You know, this is this is not the right thing, sir. We're sorry. You know, yeah. and I mean, it was it, it was it was a it was. I laugh at it now, but. I mean, he was being deadly serious when he was when he was demanding those cans, and I was like, "Do it, do it, man." So there is a part of me, the devil advocate in me, is saying that he did that to try and clean up his image. But for whatever reason he did it, I'm glad he did. Um, there there are other fighters. Conor McGregor definitely spoke out. Aljamain Sterling at this weekend. You know, he spoke out. Devin Clark had a, a bit of a tribute uh, as he was being announced. 
and Chuck Liddell uh, was patrolling the streets in Los Angeles, broke up a couple of fights and almost got into a fight. Um, it's fortunate that he didn't because if they'd have caught him on the chin, he'd have got slept. But <laughs> Sorry, Chuck. I dare to say it in his face. Are you calling him no chin, Chuck? Well, we, 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 we talked about it before. When someone gets touched, I, th- I think it was... Uh, uh, Carlos, who 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 said uh, that you know once you get touched that first time you you're not right anymore. Like you 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 get hit, <laughs> you get hit there again. You're gonna go to sleep easier and easier every single time. I just don't want to be the one. You know, I, I I I put down put down the gloves now. I don't I don't fight anymore. I let Kalechi <laughs> steal my glove my, my 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 belt. I'm just gonna let him have it. He wants it that. My way. favorite wow. part is I literally put Ryan into retirement. <laughs> oh, no, you, you just caught me at the end of my Can't career. I was I, I was turning forty. I was aging out of the amateur boxing. You know how it is. You had to catch me like Anderson Silva. <laughs> oh my gosh. You had to wait. He waited. Um so last couple of things. Um Dana White, after seeing the the uh, the the uh, John Jones thing, he he was like, maybe I should send my UFC fighters out to to stop the uh, you know stop the more violent people. Uh, he was just kind of musing about that. Um, but one of the things that he was saying, he got interviewed uh, about these uh, about these protests, and you know one of the things he was talking about is he's like, this is protests get attention but you eventually have to go in into the state halls and you have to to, to fight for what you believe in he's like who, you know who was saying this dana white he says it's not like uh, whenever he was talking about um coming back into uh starting the next fights after covid19 uh stopped them from having fights he's like it's not like I wanted to come back and have fights in the pandemic. I could have gotten all 350 of my employees and we could have walked up and down the streets and chanted, we want to fight. That's not what we did. We got out and told our story in the media and work with politicians. That's how you make real change. That's good for him. I want to fight him. I will literally fight Dana White. Like, Hold on. There he is. There, yeah. There's a, there's Dan a guy Levitard. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my problem with that Dana White is connected to the actual president of the United States. Like, we can't the that is, uh, It's not like he was the only business that was trying to open during COVID. Like, take two seats, sir. Like, just because your connections happen to be at the highest level and you could get it done. You're not the only one advocating trying to get your stuff done. You just happen to have the right group of friends and the right amount of money to get stuff done. Like, don't come for activists who are out there doing what they can. Like, so I know here in Denver, our governor is going out and saying that because we were here in the streets marching, that they have put legislation in that's changing the ways that police are able to police us as citizens. Like, we're out there making a difference. And congratulations, you know the president. Like, without him, you literally would be trash. Like, hey, he see, no business. Like, I will come for that man over that. Like. Don't, don't play with me. KC, KC, KC. Why are you making man. me be the one to defend uh, white supremacy tonight? All right. Because so, <laughs> you're the one that was all militant at the beginning. You don't have to do it. Yeah. I know, but now I, I, I got to argue with my boy. All right, KC. One, they shut down the UFC. You're saying that, hey, 
Dana was so connected with the president that he eventually got this show done. You remember ESPN got a call from some higher up at Disney and they was like, nope, not tonight. And it's like a week out from the show, like days out from the show. So it, they didn't give a damn about Donald Trump being Dana White's best friend. Somebody at Disney is like, we're stopping this. Click, hang the phone up, mic drop. Y- y'all forgot about that. that? Who, who's above Disney? No, I would, I would Dana had to go that. around. Dana had to say, you know what? Okay, you're not going to let us have it here. Hmm, let's wait two more weeks and let's go to Florida because everything what goes do you think in Florida. In those two weeks? It, it wasn't a call to Donald Trump saying, hey, can you hook this up for no, me? No, no, it, it, it really it wasn't. It wasn't George it, DeSantos? It, 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 was, it was Rick DeSantis. He, he is the governor of Florida who is also in that bunch with, with Dana White and, and Donald Trump. They, they're 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 all people. They're, they're all they're all friends, right? Gavin Newsom over in California is the one who called the the head of Disney and is like, "Listen, you don't need to be doing this." And Disney's like, "You know what? You're right." When the governor calls, Disney listens. Shut it down. So they shut right. it down. The governor of Florida is 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 much more uh is much more open to it. You know, they'd already declared the WWE an essential business, so. It became a perfect place. I mean, I, I ultimately called it whenever the WWE was announced. I was like, yeah, that, that means the UFC is going to end up coming. UFC is going. And so, yep. and so it, it is about being connected. But I, at the same time, well, what, what I – No, they followed inroads. This, this wasn't Donald Trump making the call. This was an inroad that was already established. WWE had already lined up and gotten in there. So how could they deny the UFC at that point? But, they, but they're, all, they're all friends. That's the thing. Is the governor of Florida, no, no. Donald Trump, and and Dana White? They're all friends. It's going to happen. So to connect to Kalechi's point, they have connections that the normal person, the normal citizen on the street, doesn't have those level of connections. So you can't. I mean, I can tell you that I have gone into the state house here in Texas and talked to talk to legislatures le- legislators, and they smile in your face. And they shake your hand, and then you walk mm-hmm. out, and they forget your name. They forget that you were even there. All right. it does is say that they listen to the other side. That's all. That, that's all it is. It's it's effectively a a, a photo op. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. so, oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead, I'm, Ryan. Just, go ahead. I'm just saying, and and so I, I feel like it's 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 disingenuous <laughs> for Dana White to say, "Well, what you need I'm looking to do." At the, uh... Yeah, yeah. So. So it feels like they, what they, what they, like there's like Dana White saying, what you need to do is you need to to go and talk to legislators. And it's like, well, you've got the connections we don't, so it's easier for you to do that than we than we have. What were you gonna say, John? I was going to say, and I'll, I'll let you have the floor in just a minute, Casey. You know, when you say stuff like that, this is why we riot. Okay, because you're saying, oh, yeah, you know, all you have to do is go in there and talk to them like that. And like you said, Ryan, they just come in there, they smile, they'll shake your hand and forget your name before you even hit the door. So this is why we tear stuff down. Okay, because we want you to remember our names. We want you to understand what we're doing. And we're going to if we can't talk to you nice, we will talk to you crazy until it sounds like the Queen's English. What are you going to say, Casey? And We're going to wrap it up. Yeah, so so to me, this is the epitome of privilege, where you don't recognize that you have access to resources and power 
that the average person doesn't. And you get to wield it at your own and feel like, oh, this is normal for you. And you're wondering why the next person can't come up. So if Dana White, this is what bothers me about his inability to speak effectively on this thing. If you can get an entire organization of mil billions of dollars funneled towards your to, to your specific business. And then on top of that, you can move those billions of dollars and get a state to open up for your business to do business. If you have that level of power, that level of access to the governor, to the president, then if you cared about this issue at all, then you would speak openly and you can make things happen. You can't say, oh, I don't have the power because we've seen you move heaven and earth to, for the almighty dollar. If you care about your fighters, if you care about black people, if you care about people of color, you can use those influences for good. You're not doing that. So don't come for anyone else and tell them to do better. Whoa. Mic drop. Nice. I think I got angry. Yeah. All, all I, I gotta say with that one, boom, rocked him. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, if you like enjoyed that piece combo, and every one of them touched on the chin. <laughs> that uh, if you enjoyed that, follow us on social media. Kalechi <laughs> is at. <laughs> um, I'm at Push Pull Pray. You talking like this you on Push Pull Pray? No, I talk like this on Obfuscate. she <laughs> <laughs> has like 16 different uh, uh, Instagrams. Uh, I'm at Combat Sports Talk. John? I'm at Keys to Victory and that's Keys with an ES. And George? Darkside underscore MMA underscore. All right, come to our website at www.combatsportstalk.com. If you want to hear more about what we had to say about uh, George Floyd, you can do that on episode 126. We we spent the, dedicated the entire episode to that. Um, but you can get all of our archives there. We are on all of your favorite social media platforms. Um, those are those ones up here. Um, and then uh, let's see here. Shout out to MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, MMA Mania, Bloody Elbow, and the Intelligent Defense Discussion Group. Those guys um, are where we start a lot of these conversations, especially like the Amanda Nunes one. Um, we started there on our Facebook page on the Intelligent Defense uh, Discussion Group, and it, it, a lot of those make it on the show. All the other sites as well, shouting out to them that we get our stories from that we use on the show. On behalf of John Keyes, George Stallworth, and Kalechi Onyebuchi, this is Ryan Smith reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw bombs. We'll catch you next time.